Congratulations to Trey Mancini, who is now a World Series champion as the Houston Astros took down the Philadelphia Phillies in six games, clinching the World Series on Saturday night. And while on one hand, it's sad that the Major League Baseball season is now officially over, on the other hand, a little excitement because the offseason can officially begin. And that might mean it's liftoff for the Baltimore Orioles. I'm getting you your ultimate Baltimore Orioles off-season preview coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, November 7th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to preview every single part of this upcoming offseason for the Baltimore Orioles, going through the key dates, what kind of moves the Orioles will need to make, decisions they'll need to make in house regarding some options and non tenders and the Rule 5 draft. Then we'll go through free agency, look at every possible need the Orioles have to add to in free agency and which players are out there that the Orioles could go pick up. And then finally, we'll look at some trade options for the Orioles, who they could go after, who could be dealt from their major league team, and from the farm system as well. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're still going five days a week here throughout the month of November, Monday through Friday, new episodes wherever you listen or here on the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you take it in. And we thank you so much for joining us and making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. For your first listen today, we're previewing the offseason. Now, it has officially started. It basically starts the day after the World Series ends, but there's not much that can be done for the first five days after the World Series. It's mostly in-house stuff. You can still be communicating with your upcoming free agents, and you can decide on options. But generally, things really get going Thursday at 5 p.m. That is the date, Thursday, November 10th, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, when free agency will officially open, and we can really kickstart this offseason. But before we got there, wanted to do a full preview of the offseason for the Orioles because, yeah, they've made some moves under Mike Elias in the offseason, but this one is going to be way different than the previous few offseasons with Mike Elias as GM because, as he talked about throughout the season, it's going to be liftoff this offseason. The Orioles are going to up the payroll finally, and hopefully, that doesn't just mean paying everyone in arbitration. They're also going to look to be a winning ball club next year. The Orioles won 83 games this year, but did not expect it. Now they are going to expect to be a winning team and in the playoff race, at least to some extent, in 2023. That means you got to add to this team this offseason, whether it's via free agency, via trades, you get some more prospects up, and you make this a better team going into next year. So we're going to try to look at all the possible moves the Orioles have coming up between now and really when they report to Sarasota in February for spring training. And even after that, sometimes as well, you can pick up some solid free agents late in the game. But that's what the Orioles have done, even under the Dan Duquette regime, is they picked up a lot of their free agents late in the game. You know, they would get to Sarasota and still not have their full team. They'd still be bringing in free agents. 
I feel like that's going to be different this offseason, that the Orioles could be active early as well, which is why I wanted to get you this preview pretty much right now, as soon as the offseason is about to start. So let's start with the in-house decisions the Orioles have to make. This is going to be mostly stuff that comes into play early in the offseason within this next you know month and change. Basically over the next six weeks, all of these things are going to occur. But the first decision the Orioles have to make is something I've talked about a lot on this podcast over the past few weeks since the regular season ended, and that is the Jordan Lyles team option. Now, the Orioles actually do not have to wait until Thursday to make their decision on that option. They can make it any time here officially. The deadline is 5 p.m. Thursday to make their Jordan Lyles decision. So as I'm recording this here actually on Sunday morning, there's a chance by the time you listen to this on Monday, theoretically they could have already announced their decision. But here is the decision if you didn't know already. Jordan Lyles, who signed a one-year $7 million contract to pitch for the Orioles this year, of course, ate almost 180 innings at a 4.42 ERA, was kind of the veteran leader for this clubhouse and for this young starting pitching staff. The O's attached on a team option for his 2023 season that would be worth $11 million. Now, the Orioles have until Thursday at 5 p.m. to decide whether or not they want to bring back Lyles for $11 million next year, or if they decline the option, they owe him $1 million in a form of a buyout, and then he would become a free agent. Now, there's a lot of different things that could happen here. The easiest thing is the Orioles just pick up the $11 million, and he pitches for the O's in some capacity next year. The Orioles could also pick up the $11 million and then almost immediately try to trade him. Remember, the Orioles did this a couple years ago with Jose Iglesias. He had that great short in 2020 season with the Orioles. He had a team option for 2021. They picked it up, and I believe a day, maybe two days after they picked up the option, they immediately traded him to the Los Angeles Angels. So that's something they could do with Jordan Lyles as well if it basically would be paying the $11 million for some prospects from another team or potentially getting another team to eat half the money to get some prospects. Whatever it may be, the Orioles could do that. They could also decline it, pay him his $1 million and, and let him go on his way. They could also decline it, pay him his $1 million and then work out a cheaper one-year contract for 2023. They could decline the option. He could become a free agent. Then they could bring him back for one year and $7 million, the same he made this year. That's also an option as well. But the Orioles will have to decide specifically on the option by Thursday at 5 p.m. Now, once they do that with Jordan Lyles, there will be a little bit of an effect right when free agency opens Thursday at 5. So let's say the Orioles decline Lyles' option. That was my official prediction on the show last week. Right now, their 40-man roster sits at 39 players. Now, they had activated Chris Ellis and John Means off the 60-day injured list. Means, of course, stayed on the 40-man Ellis was outrighted off the 40-man roster, of course, had the shoulder injury early in the year, got surgery, missed the whole season. He has elected free agency. So the right-handed pitcher, Chris Ellis, is now a free agent. The Orioles also outrighted the catcher, Aramis Garcia, off the 40-man roster. He was one of the catchers they acquired off waivers from the Reds a couple weeks ago. Garcia also has elected free agency. So those two are free agents, not in AAA Norfolk. Currently 39 guys on the 40-man roster. But Let's say they decline the Lyles option. That takes them down to 38 players with two open spots. And then you have your three free agents who would also come off the books as well. Unless these guys are re-signed in the next five days, which I see no chance of happening, Rugnet Odor, Jesus Aguilar, and Robinson Chirinos would all become free agents 
Thursday at 5 would all come off the 40-man roster and would take the Orioles' 40-man roster at that point down to 35 players. If they did retain Lyles, it would still be at 36. So they'd already have some wiggle room early in the season. And they're going to need some wiggle room coming up, not just for potentially signing some early free agents, but the Orioles also have the Rule 5 draft protection deadline coming up. Now, it looks like that deadline will be on November 18th this year. So that's actually going to be next Friday. That deadline would come up to protect prospects from the Rule 5 draft. Basically, these are prospects who generally across the board, it is guys who were drafted out of high school in 2018 in the draft or guys who were drafted out of college in the 2019 draft. Those are the guys that are eligible for the Rule 5 draft this offseason. Of course, if they are not protected on the 40-man roster by that November 18th deadline, they would be subject to the Rule 5 draft, which will happen at the winter meetings in early December. And another team could draft them. And if they keep them on their big league roster all season or on the injured list, they basically become one of their players. So the Orioles need to open up some spots because they do have a couple of easy Rule 5 protections. The number one guy is Grayson Rodriguez. He is Rule 5 eligible this offseason. Now, nobody really thought the O's would have to make this decision this offseason because we figured Rodriguez would be in the big leagues this year. But because of the lat injury in June, he never made it to the big leagues, never made it onto the 40-man roster. But the O's will have to add him coming up in a couple of weeks. Joey Ortiz is also... Rule 5 eligible. A year ago, he would have been kind of a tweener. Will he be added? With the great season he had, Ortiz is going to be added to the 40-man roster. There's two guys. And then Seth Johnson is also 40-man Rule 5 eligible. He was one of the two pitchers acquired in the Trey Mancini trade. Johnson came over from the Rays in that three-team deal. After the trade, he almost immediately got Tommy John surgery, so we're not going to see him pitch at all in the minors in the 2023 season. But he was a top 10 raised prospect, and he's a pretty good pitching prospect. I'm not sure how quite they're going to finagle this because they know Johnson will be out for the entirety of next season. But if he does have to be added, he will be added by the Orioles. And then I feel like you have a group of guys who are maybes, the three biggest maybes, to be added, I feel like Noah DeNoyer, who had a great season for the Orioles this year, the right-handed pitcher, he's a maybe. Easton Lucas, whose stuff is getting much, much better as a left-handed pitcher, he was acquired in the Jonathan VR trade, he's a maybe. And then Garrett Stallings, who had that terrible month of June in Bowie, but generally the rest of that had a great season as a starting pitcher in the minors this year, I think is also a maybe. So at most, they would need six spots. At the very least, they need three spots, which they'll have already, to protect those guys. So then you look at the rest of the roster for the Orioles because oh, you add maybe you know five of those guys. Well, if you're down at 35, you're back to a full 40-man roster at that point. And you still want to add some free agents no matter what. So you're going to need to clear some more space on the 40-man. That's when you start to look at the potential DFA candidates off this current 40-man roster. Now, I looked at some names, and it's an interesting group. Among the pitchers, I really only came up with two names that stick out. Spencer Watkins and Joey Crable are really the two guys currently on the 40-man who I think are really good chances. And then one more, I would add Bruce Zimmerman, I think, maybe in that mix as well, just because of the disaster his season turned into and, and pitching most of the year at the end in AAA. I think the three of them could be in danger. I think everybody else in the 40-man, their spot probably safe from a DFA. Then in terms of hitters, 
you do have some more options. Uh, Mark Colesbury, the other catcher they got from the Reds, certainly could be outrighted. Tyler Nevin talked about this last week. He could be in danger of losing his 40-man spot. Yusniel Diaz, I think definitely, you know, has this had this 40-man spot for a while. All he's gotten was one big league plate appearance this year, and he struck out. That was it. I think he's definitely in danger. Now, the Orioles did agree to a one-year contract in 2023 with Jake Cave already, the outfielder who they got off waivers from the Twins earlier this offseason. He's still a DFA candidate, but I think less likely now that they've agreed to a contract. And because Jake Cave is here, and he's essentially the right-hand or the left-handed hitting Ryan McKenna with more experience, I think Ryan McKenna maybe has an outside chance of being in DFA trouble this offseason as well. But those are the names there. And then in terms of freeing up more space for the non-tender deadline. Of course, the Orioles have seven players currently who are arbitration eligible on the roster. That non-tender deadline will probably be you know, around mid to late November, probably November 20-something will be that deadline. We don't have the official date yet. But I would say there's probably only two players in danger of being non-tendered. One is Cam Gallagher, the catcher who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Padres late in the season. He's definitely in the mix for the job of Adley's backup in 2023, but he's going to be due a million dollars approximately in arbitration, according to MLB trade rumors. So he could be a, certainly a non-tender candidate. And then maybe Austin Hayes, who MLB trade rumors projects due about $3.1 million, would be an outside chance. But I think there's a better chance he'd be traded or just paid that money than really non-tendered. But I guess there's a chance there. So that is how the Orioles would free up some more 40-man roster space. The other arbitration-eligible guys are Anthony Santander, Austin Voth, Cedric Mullins, Dylan Tate, and Jorge Mateo. All five of those guys are locks for the Orioles to pay whatever they are worth in arbitration and bring them back for 2023. But that's kind of how the Orioles will clear space. And then the only other thing they'd really need to clear space for is the actual Rule 5 draft. So once they protect their guys from the draft... The winter meetings are December 4th through 7th. That means most likely the Rule 5 draft will occur either December 6th or 7th. Usually happens right around the end of the winter meetings. Of course, the Rule 5 draft was canceled last season because of the lockout, but it will be back this year. And the Orioles do like drafting players, whether it be one or two guys. You know they'll go into the Rule 5 draft with at least one open spot on the 40-man roster and maybe two just to be flexible. I would think they'll target maybe a backup catcher type and probably a pitcher, a guy who can you know help the bullpen immediately. That's what they normally do. They'll try to find the next Tyler Wells in this Rule 5 draft, but that's something to look out for as well. But those are kind of all the decisions the Orioles have to make in-house with the guys who are already in their organization, already on their team. But once they do a lot of that, they're going to start looking outside the organization. And the big thing is going to be free agency because Mike Elias has said it. The Orioles are going to spend some more money this offseason. So coming up next, we're going to take a look at every need the Orioles could possibly fill in free agency this offseason and take a look at a lot of names of a lot of free agents that the Orioles could target once free agency opens. But first, got to tell you about betonline.net because it's your number one source for betting football, basketball, and hockey this season. Now, we may be a little sad the baseball season is officially over with the Astros winning the World Series in six games over the Phillies. But we're still right in the middle of football season. Of course, got the Ravens on Monday Night Football tonight against the Saints. 
college football every Saturday and a full NFL slate every Sunday as well. You can get all the lines, all the odds on every game at Bet Online. Plus, you can look at team matchups, get news, listen to podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every single game. They've also got live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. That includes the NBA is into the season, the NHL is into the season, and oh yes, tonight, college basketball begins as well. You can throw that on the plate too. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at Bet Online, where the game starts. So we are previewing the Orioles offseason here. It's officially started with the MLB season over, but again, free agency itself will open this Thursday, November 10th at 5 p.m. Eastern time. It always opens five days after the World Series ends. So on Thursday at 5, the Orioles can start signing players from outside the organization. As Mike Elias has talked about, they're going to do that, I think. And more so than just the Rugnet Odor, Robinson Torinos, Jordan Lyles combination that they brought in last offseason. They're going to be spending more money on better players to try and put together a winning baseball team when they're really trying to win in 2023. So I wanted to go through kind of all the positions on the field that the Orioles really could add to, and it's a lot of them. So let's start with backup catcher. Now, the Orioles may not go after a backup catcher in free agency because they've brought in so many options off waivers and minor league deals and such. So right now, for Adley Rutschman's backup, and you don't need a guy who's going to play a lot because Adley will, and he's amazing. They've got Cam Gallagher. They've got Anthony Benboom in the organization. They've got Mark Colesbury right now. You know, they've got even Jacob Nottingham maybe coming back. They've got Brett Cumberland, you know, Maverick Handley coming up. So maybe they don't go after a guy. But if they do, it'll be a guy on a one-year deal, more of a veteran guy, a solid defender, who can just hit better than Robinson Chirinos. That's what they're looking for. So I found six names that I think would fit what the Orioles are looking for. Roberto Perez coming off injury. The O's were close to signing him, I think, last year. Omar Narvaez, good left-handed hitter with solid framing numbers. Austin Hedges can't hit, but he is a top-five defensive catcher in all of baseball. I think that would certainly help them. Kirk Casale is kind of a good medium between you know hitting and defense as a backup catcher. Same with Kevin Ploiecki, who's going to be out there. And then Sandy Leon, similar to Austin Hedges, cannot hit, but can be a top-ten defensive catcher in all of baseball. And if he's only playing once a week, you can take that sometimes. You just don't want the Torino situation, which is can't play defense and can't hit. That was not good for the Orioles this year. But those are kind of six guys. Those are the free agents out there, but those are certainly guys that they could target. Next up, I think the O's could be in the market for a kind of first base slash DH slash kind of okay corner outfielder position because they had that guy in Trey Mancini. They traded him to the Astros. He wins a World Series. Now, he is out there. He's going to be a free agent most likely. And yeah, I would consider bringing Trey Mancini back. He's one of these options. But other guys they could go after, I mean, maybe J.D. Martinez. We've watched him just destroy the Orioles over the years with the Red Sox. He's going to be a free agent. Can't really play the outfield much anymore, but would still be a great DH. Had a 119 WRC Plus this season. Of course, WRC Plus, again, averages 100. Any point above that is a percentage or better than league average. So J.D. Martinez with a 119 WRC Plus was 19% better than the league average hitter this year. It's a stat that does a good job of combining, you know, your hitting for average, for power, your run production, all of it put together in one. Jose Abreu is going to be out there. I mean, he's in his upper 30s now, but he did have a 137 WRC Plus this year. So 
They want a guy to play first base in DH with Mountcastle. There's your guy. And then Josh Bell as well. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what Bell commands. He was amazing in Washington, and he was horrendous down the stretch in San Diego after the trade this year. Still ended up with a 123 WRC+. Can only really play first base. That's going to be interesting to see what he commands. If his market is lower than he thinks, the Orioles could be in play for Josh Bell. Sticking in the infield here, there are the big-name infielders. These are the guys that we've talked about all offseason, the dream scenarios for the Orioles. We've got three guys we know are going to be free agents, most likely Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, and Dansby Swanson. And Xander Bogarts, if he opts out of his player option with the Red Sox, could be a free agent as well. Now, these guys are going to command big money. You're going to need to sign them for at least five years, and it's going to be easily over $100, $150 million for each guy. So the Orioles are going to have to really open up the checkbook to get one of these guys. But I think this is the perfect scenario for the O's, who didn't get much offensively from the shortstop spot this season. They still have holes in that infield, despite Gunnar Henderson being here and Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz knocking on the door. They have holes, and they need a middle-of-the-order bat. We saw the Orioles' offense was the reason they didn't make the playoffs this year. It just scuffled down the stretch. They need that big bat, and a guy who can play the infield at a premium position would be even better. There's your four guys right there. Go after it. Now... If the Orioles don't shell out that big money, whether they don't want to or if they're outbid by some other teams, I still do think they're going to sign an infielder this offseason, no matter what. And so there are some what I call kind of the more affordable infielders for the Orioles. These are guys who the O's I can see signing to maybe one-year deals. I think more likely maybe a guy they would sign to a two-year deal to kind of keep them around and, and be more of a veteran presence. Mostly guys who can play more than one position in the infield or can play a little outfield as well. They'll probably fit a bit of a utility role. There'll be guys more on the veteran side who can hit but aren't exactly a middle-of-the-order bat. So I would say guys like you know Adam Frazier, who was not good offensively, an 81 WRC plus with the Mariners this year, but he did start pretty much every game down the stretch. And in the playoffs, as a solid left-handed bat in the past with the Pirates. Old friend Jose Iglesias is out there. I mean, an 85 WRC plus with the Rockies, though, probably means he's over the hill, but he is out there. I like the name Matt Carpenter. He went through a full swing change this year in his late 30s and, you know, joined the Yankees, had a 217 WRC plus and about 150 plate appearances. Then got injured, missed a lot of time, returned for the playoffs, and did not have a hit in kind of a pinch hitter role for the Yankees in the ALDS and the ALCS. But his swing change looks like it could be real, and it's something the Orioles could take a, a chance on, and he plays the outfield as well. Jace Peterson, another old friend, a utility guy who played everywhere on the diamond for the Brewers. He got a lot better when he went to Milwaukee since leaving Baltimore. Did have a 96 WRC plus this year, but with the defensive value, he is a solid pickup for utility guy. Colton Wong is a guy with the Brewers who had a great year. 116 WRC+, left-handed hitting second baseman. He's due $10 million via a team option. The Brewers are kind of operating a little cheaply, and there's talk that they may decline Wong's option for 2023, making him a free agent. If they do, a left-handed hitter with some sneaky pop who plays a solid defense and a veteran in Colton Wong... I kind of think he'd be a perfect fit for Baltimore. So if his option does get declined, watch out for that. That could be kind of the perfect like two-year, $20 million guy to bring in and really help this offense. Brandon Drury is going to be a free agent, was kind of the, the breakout star of the Reds lineup this year, and then was traded to the Padres and did help them out. Ended up with a 123 WRC+, plus, can play third base, second base, a little outfield if you need him to. He's a right-handed bat, which maybe takes his value down a little bit with the wall in Baltimore, but still a piece. 
And then the last guy, just for veteran-wise, Marwin Gonzalez, because he's been around the block in the playoffs in the World Series, but he also had a 65 WRC plus with the Yankees this year. He can still play all around the diamond, all the infield and outfield positions, which makes him valuable, but his bat just completely went away this year. So if that's going to be the case moving forward, he's probably not the answer. But if the O's think they're still a little in the bat, it's nice to have a guy like that who's a veteran who's been around and can play literally every single position. But that's kind of your other infield group, more affordable for the Orioles. Let's move to the outfield because although the O's have a lot of outfielders with Hayes and Mullins and Santander and, of course, Stowers and McKenna, and now you have Jake Cave and you have Colton Cowser, you know, knocking on the door and even using the Diaz is still down there for the Orioles. They can still use an upgrade, I think, in the outfield. You know, still questions about Austin Hayes and questions about McKenna and Stowers and all these guys. And Kowser's not going to be ready by opening day. So I think they could use an upgrade. And, and I threw out a few names of differing value, how much it's going to cost, and, and differing performances in 2022. Michael Brantley... Yeah, he's 35, but he continues to hit. Missed a good chunk of the season with injury, but did have a 127 WRC plus when he played with the Astros this year. He's probably going to be a guy who commands like a one to two year deal worth about 20 million a year. So maybe outside the Orioles price range, but we'll see. I've been beating the Joey Gallo drum for a while. I know he was terrible with the Yankees, but he was better in LA after the trade to the Dodgers. Still had an 85 WRC plus. But I think it's, you know, maybe a high-reward pick to come to Camden Yards and just mash homers into the flag court. He can play the outfield pretty well still. We will see. Jock Peterson had an amazing year. That's kind of the dream pickup of this group. He had a 144 WRC plus in San Francisco with the Giants. Really the only guy that overperformed for San Francisco this year. He can still play the outfield. I think he's a perfect fit with Baltimore, but we will see. Another guy who's probably out of the Orioles' price range is Brandon Nimmo. Can play center field, all three outfield positions. Had a great year with the Mets this year, a 134 WRC plus, hitting for average, hitting for power, on base machine, walks a ton, which the Orioles love. I just think the Mets are going to shell out some money to bring him back. And if they don't, I think another team is going to shell out a lot of money to get Nimmo. So he's probably out of the price range, but we will see. Then some other guys who could come a little cheaper. David Peralta was having a quietly good year with the Diamondbacks, got traded to the Rays, wasn't as good, but can still hit in his 30s. Robbie Grossman, a veteran guy, again, was with the Tigers, was okay, got traded to the Braves, wasn't very good, 82 WRC plus on the season. Veteran guy who's been around, think he can bounce back. And then Mitch Haniger, you know, has missed a lot of time over the past few years with the Mariners, but when he's been on the field, he's been hitting, did have a 113 WRC plus when returning from his injury late in the year, wasn't a huge factor for the Mariners in the playoffs, but... Still think he's a, a guy who can, you know, play the outfield well and, and can really impact a lineup. So if the O's did want to go outfielder, that is where they could go. Now, moving on to relief pitching. Now, I don't think the Orioles will sign a reliever to a major league deal just because they did such a great job building their bullpen through like rookies and waivers last year. I think they could do it again and be successful. But if they did, I could see them signing a reliever to a one-year deal, maybe a little bit of a cheaper deal. So some names out there, Adam Adovino and Seth Lugo from the Mets are both free agents. I think they'd be good, like seventh, eighth inning additions as veterans. Luke Jackson of the Atlanta Braves is a free agent, has incredible, like the craziest spin rates in the world. He can really be dominant at times. Uh, Matt Strom, lefty who was with the Red Sox, would be out there. Just kind of a solid lefty to have in the pen that would be pretty cheap. 
Tommy Canely is a free agent. You remember him. Had some great times with the White Sox and with the Yankees. He was injured most of the year, but came back very late in the season with the Dodgers and actually looked good coming off of Tommy John. So I think he's a possible like buy low potential low-risk, high-reward guy. And then Michael Fulmer as well, just a solid piece who was with the Tigers and the Twins this year, will be out there. Those are just some names who'd be like one-year, five, six, seven million dollar deals to, to get a veteran in that bullpen to help everybody out. And then we go finally to starting pitching because whether it's a trade or a free agent, the Orioles are going to need to bring in at least one starting pitcher this offseason. So let's start with the three aces. Right now, it looks like Jacob deGrom, Carlos Rodon, and Clayton Kershaw are all going to be free agents. Now, the most likely of those three to come to Baltimore would be Carlos Rodon. He's probably going to be the cheapest of the three. We know there's been a little bit of rumors about Jacob deGrom and the Orioles. That would be amazing. I still think the Mets are going to empty the bank account to keep him in New York. But Rodon's a possibility. And yeah, it could take like a three-year, you know, $90, $95 million deal to get him to Baltimore. But if you want to pay that, he is a legitimate ace. And I think he'd come to Baltimore, and I think he would be successful. But of course, the real starting pitchers I think the Orioles will end up going for are more of those second-tier guys who could be free agents. We're looking at the Noah Syndergaard to the world, who we just saw pitching in the World Series. Sean Manaya, who had kind of a down year as a lefty for the Padres, but has been really good in the past. Corey Kluber still kicking it, you know, pitching for the Tampa Bay Rays this season. Michael Waka had a really good bounce-back year with the Red Sox with that incredible changeup that the Orioles could not hit. I'd love to see him in an Orioles uniform. Jamison Tyon looked up and down, back from injury with the Yankees. He wants to go back to New York, but if they don't want him back, I think he's a perfect addition to the back end of the Orioles rotation. A couple of veteran lefties out there. Rich Hill will be out there if you think he has anything left. Martin Perez had a great year. Texas wants him back, but if the O's pay him more money, he could come here. Jose Quintana had a huge bounce back year with the Pirates and then with the Cardinals. He could be a cheaper option. And then Tyler Anderson and Andrew Haney both kind of revitalized their careers. A couple lefties with the Dodgers this season would maybe look for like two-year, $25 million deals. I think those would be good investments for the Orioles to try and sure up their rotation. But either way, I think the O's are certainly going to go after a starting pitcher in some form, probably in free agency, to add this offseason. But the other thing they could do is add a starting pitcher via trade. And that's the last thing we're going to talk about here coming up next. Tougher to predict because you never know when they could happen, if they'll happen, and who will be involved. But trades are a part of the offseason. When the Orioles have arguably the best farm system in baseball, you want to trade from that depth to get major league talent. And we'll talk about what those trades could look like coming up next. So we've talked through the internal decisions. We've talked through free agency. The last thing to preview for this Orioles offseason before we get out of here is the potential trades because the O's have pretty much made trades every offseason since Mike Elias took over as GM after the 2018 season. But most of those trades have been trading away major league talent to acquire prospects in the rebuild. It looks like this offseason could and should be the first time the Orioles trade away their prospect depth to acquire big league talent for a big league team that in 2023 should be ready to at least compete at some level where they would like some major league talent. Now, in terms of trading for big league talent, I think most people agree it would probably be to go get a starting pitcher and maybe a, a bigger name. So you're looking at guys who are starting pitchers in the big leagues who are productive and could be dealt. I've got a list 
for different reasons. From the Marlins, Pablo Lopez, Jesus Lazardo, you know, maybe an Edward Cabrera, Eliezer Hernandez could all be in that list. Basically, the Marlins have a lot of starting pitching and they have no hitting. They're going to want bats and those guys could be available. Looking to the Brewers as well, they're operating, again, kind of as a cheap team. And their two aces, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, are getting to arbitration and getting pretty expensive in arbitration. And the Brewers may look to deal them. The O should be all over that if that's the case. Cleveland kind of operates the same way if that's the case. Shane Bieber, if not maybe an Aaron Savali type. I know his last outing didn't look so great against the Yankees in Game 5 of the ALDS, but he could be out there. Herman Marquez of the Rockies. You never know what the Rockies are going to do, so it could involve trading Marquez. He could be an addition. If they wanted to go after a veteran, maybe Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs could be available. A couple more year, years on his deal. And then some more under-the-radars guys. Yanni Chirinos and Ryan Yarborough of the Rays. We've seen them a lot in the past. Could be like 40-man roster crunch guys. The Rays trade every offseason. And then Spencer Turnbull of the Tigers who missed all of this year with injury uh, but could be coming back and, and could be traded. Remember, he threw a no-hitter last year. He could definitely be a potential guy. And then sticking with the Tigers, if they really are going to go into kind of another semi-rebuild, I mean, Tarek Skubal, if you can go get him, you got to go get him this offseason. I think he could be a possibility, a long shot, but a possibility. So those are kind of all the names that could be out there. There could be others because you just never know who's on the trading block when and who the Orioles could go get. But the question kind of becomes, you know, what would the O's have to give up to get a starting pitcher like that? Well, in terms of the MLB guys who could be traded for different reasons, if you can package some of these guys with prospects and go get a starting pitcher, I think the O's would do it. Austin Hayes, Ramona Rios, you know, they're in tough roster spots. They could add them. Another team could play them every day. I think more of a long shot, but Anthony Santander and Cedric Mullins, I think, will both come up in trade discussions. I would like the Orioles to keep both of those guys, but their names could come up if it's really talking about like an ace starter. I think pitcher-wise, you know, CNL Perez, I've talked about the reasons why he could be traded just because he outperformed his stats so much. You know, maybe he's a similar deal to the Tanner Scott, Cole Salser deal last year. Maybe Dylan Tate is kind of in that spot as well for the Orioles. Keegan Aiken, maybe, if you think his value is at its highest and you don't know what kind of piece he's going to be moving forward, maybe you could deal Aiken. And even Jordan Lyles, I talked about it before, there's always the option that the Orioles pick up the Lyles option and then immediately trade him like they did with Jose Iglesias. So I just threw him in that group as well of guys who could maybe be traded this offseason. And then there's the prospects who could be dealt because if the Orioles are going to add to this Major League team by acquiring Major League talent, they're going to need to trade some prospects. It's plain and simple. They've got a top five system in baseball, and some would argue the number one system in baseball right now. you got to start dealing from that depth to get better. Not all the prospects are going to work out. You look at the top 30 of the Orioles, I mean, you can only count on maybe 10 even getting to the big leagues and five even making an impact. So some of those guys are just never going to get to the bigs you got to trade them when their value is at best in the minor leagues and go get legitimate, already established major league talent. That's what the O's are going to have to do. It's going to be tough to give up some of these prospects that we all know and love. That's what the Orioles are going to have to do to get better in the big leagues. And some of those guys, they could give up. Cesar Prieto, I think, is kind of a perfect example of a guy who, you know, you could try to sell high on that value. Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz, if the Orioles are going after that ace starting pitcher, both of those guys could certainly be in the mix. They got a lot of infielders right now. 
in the bigs and in the minors, and they could sign some guys. So those guys are tradable. I would put Connor Norby, Daryl Hernandez in that group as well. If you're looking to trade the infielders, they are good prospects who can net you a good MLB return. And then in terms of outfielders, I could see Yusniel Diaz packaged with other guys just to give him another shot somewhere else and maybe be a sweetener in a deal. I just don't think it's going to happen for him in Baltimore. And then if the O's were really going after that ace and a team really wanted an outfielder, like it's a Shane Bieber deal, and Cleveland's looking for outfielders. I don't think it's out of the question that a Colton Cowser could be dealt. I don't see Gunnar Henderson or Grayson Rodriguez or D.L. Hall or Jackson Holiday being dealt this offseason. But Colton Cowser, Jordan Westberg, they're kind of at the top of that list of where, yeah, if the O's are going to get major league talent, I could easily see it happening. So it's just kind of to prepare yourself that that kind of trade could happen, but it's going to help the Orioles win more ball games. And if it gets an ace... We're going to miss Colton Kowser, but we're going to love that ace helping this Orioles team. But that's kind of a general look at what the Orioles' upcoming offseason could look like. Again, this Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, free agency opens. And, you know, MLB free agency never quite looks like the NBA or the NFL, where, like, all the deals get done on the first day. But even if there's some deals happening on the first couple days, I would love to see the Orioles just be involved. They haven't been involved in free agency in, honestly, a long time. Even when they were a winning team under Buck and Duquette, they weren't super involved in any of the big names. Just be involved. Give me a Jeff Passan or a Ken Rosenthal tweet that said, you know, the Orioles are interested in so-and-so. They are chatting with so-and-so's agent. Even if they don't sign them, give me that at first to show like, all right, the Orioles are interested. They're in the game. They're going for the big names. They're trying to make this team better. Give us a fun offseason. Michael Elias, you promised liftoff. Now please deliver as the offseason starts later this week. And as the Orioles continue to make moves, we hear rumors, anything going on with trades, with free agency, anything that could happen, we've got you covered right here on the podcast course. We're still daily, five days a week, bringing you off-season content episodes every single day, Monday through Friday. And we will also continue our Orioles player review series from the 2022 season, breaking down every Orioles player who made an impact for the Orioles this year, looking at what their role could be going into next year. And we'll continue that series coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.